Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. We are doing something tonight that I enjoy probably as well as anything we ever do on the show, and that's just, uh, you know, it's a variety show of sorts, right? Absolutely. It's a big old grab bag of futuristic goodness. This is this is called Phil and Steven couldn't think of a theme to <laughs> to, to bring the hey, stories together. Yeah, here, here and we're we not gonna pretend. The, yeah. Yeah. We are putting the onus on our audience to find the theme. There's gonna be a thread. Find the thread. There is a thread. I'm sure there is a thread and let that, us know. <laughs> that runs through these. Yeah. So listen to yeah. the three stories and tell us what the thread is. And if you get it right we will talk about it on the show. Okay, so whoever gets the thread right, you can be immortalized on the world transformed. So if you, in fact, if you're really good, we'll have you on the show and you can explain it to us, which makes life easier for us because then someone else is talking on the show, which is always great. <laughs> okay, so with that set up, let's jump into these. This, this first story is really awesome. Scientists reverse genetic aging and memory decline in rats. So once again, just more evidence that... We're at the threshold of serious treatments for human aging. Here we are, yeah. you know, making life better for Aubrey, rats. Aubrey de Grey has long said, we, once we're able to show this in, in, in uh, rodents, and he, he said specifically mice, but, you know, rats, rats work too, right? Rats will uh, do. If we're able to show that, the, that these treatments, therapies for, for combating aging are working there, then money will be freed up. I mean, and just start pouring into this. And I, I, I've always thought that that was wise and a, and a good plan. Here we're seeing it's beginning to happen, right? Absolutely. And this is pretty technical reading here if you, if you follow this story. But we're talking about regulating calcium homeostasis in the neurons of the hippocampus. Okay, so I know a lot of you are going, aha, I knew it would be something like that. And you were right if that's what you were thinking. But it, it turns out that a protein that regulates those can have an awful lot to do with bringing back good functioning for spatial memory and converting short-term memories into long-term ones. And it's a very simple treatment to a very complex set of problems, the body seeming to just become older with increasing replication of the, of the cells in the body, and in particular, the degeneration of memory capability over time. But it turns out you put this protein in place and boom, everything is, is just working an awful lot better for these rats. And if you read, it turns out our brains work a lot like rats' brains where this is concerned. So for those who weren't thinking calcium homeostasis, and I personally was not, that never even occurred to me that that was a thing. It turns out that's, that's big and potentially can do an awful lot to take those who are in decline and bring them back or we're talking rats here but you know go ahead and use the extension to human beings 
or uh, maybe prevent that decline from occurring to begin with, which is a right, w- w- right. which is a really wonderful idea. Well, this this is our second anti-aging story of the week, right? I mean, we uh, we spoke on Monday about Elizabeth uh, Parrish and uh, what she's trying to do. Uh, yeah, she's using telomeres. a myostatin inhibitor to to lengthen her telomeres. So completely uh, different approach. Totally, di- totally different therapy, but uh, you know, again, the the goal is. Is, is much the same at combat aging. And so I like it, Phil, that uh, we got multiple fronts in this war, right? We're, we're fighting Absolutely. it. And, Absolutely. And, and if, if you read at all about neuroscience, one of the most interesting things that emerges is the role that calcium plays. We, we always think of calcium as being this big factor in bone health and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that that's true. But as a smaller particle floating around in the in the bloodstream, calcium has this huge impact on our neural architecture. And they talk about uh, a lot of people who are, in one way or another, neurologically impaired. There's a thing called a calcium channelopathy, where it turns out they're just calcium is not being processed correctly in their body. So it turns out that this this one mineral can have an awful lot to do with how well our with how well our body functions and brilliant that they found a protein that restores function or improves function along those lines and the benefits are wonderful. Yeah, Stephen, I would say we need 10 or 12 more of these, right? Just good, different, solid approaches to fighting aging, fighting the deleterious effects of aging, and I think we're really going to be getting somewhere. Well, this you know, th- maybe we can, we can kind of direct our audience to say, since, hey, we're, we're putting our audience to work this Friday, right? Check out uh, what Aubrey de Grey is doing. Totally different area, right? Uh, exactly. His, his, his SENS program, uh, S-E-N-S. Google that and, uh, and let us know what's, uh, what's the latest with, with Aubrey de Grey since we mentioned it. So, and since we did talk about what Liz Parrish is doing, and her big push right now is to make this kind of thing legal, this is the sort of treatment that would not have a hard time getting approved because this could be right. presented as here's a good treatment for people who are in decline. And we're right. we're we're always about well, if there's something we can do to help people who are in decline, then then we will do it. And maybe that's the problem with having Liz be an attractive woman in her 40s, right? That uh, right. She, she's, she's been going around showing how to keep you from getting older. Uh, perhaps uh, they should repackage telomere lengthening as, as an intervention for people with Alzheimer's or something like that. Right. And, right. <laughs> or perhaps uh, Elizabeth needs to enlist her mother or something. Say, now we look exactly the same. It's working. Again, multiple uh, avenues of uh, experimentation, multiple uh, things going on in this. This is not, this is not the fringe thing that uh, just a few people are working on anymore. It's, uh, it's beginning to... Not uh, like when we started talking about it. Not about, yeah. When we started back in, tw- in, in, t- in 2005, Bill, it was uh, very few people were interested in this at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to get home with some new stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, see, we spend an awful lot of our time just saying, see, we were right about this. We're, we're, we're going to have to... <laughs> as satisfying exactly. as that is, we're going to have to... Uh, uh, get a little more forward. <laughs> why? Why would we do anything different, Phil? That, that, uh, <laughs> in five years, the I'm show will just I'm be right, that. I well, we were right about that. Yeah, we're right. It'll be five minutes. You know, <laughs> looks like we were right about everything. Okay, bye. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> See, we told you so. Show. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's the okay. So we're going to go. Let's do something completely different, uh, Phil, in this grab bag show. China's thirty-story tall 
air cleaning tower is is a successful test for many 150-story air cleaning towers that they intend to build. If you've read it all about uh, you know what it's like to live in China, you, one of the first things that come up, Phil, is particularly in uh, populated areas, cities, it it can get pretty brutal. The pollution, right? Right. I mean, uh, right. Places like Denver have have similar problems uh, because the the landscape. Wouldn't it be great to have a 150 story uh, air cleaning tower right in downtown Denver? Uh, that would be awesome. It would tower above everything else, that's for sure. It would be the biggest structure yeah. in, uh, in town. Well, I guess in most places, a 150-story structure would, would tower over everything yeah, else. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's, uh, that's Even tall. in most of China, it would. But what's, what's interesting here is China is working on dealing with its air pollution problem in a number of ways. One way is they're getting off coal altogether and they're going solar. This is, you know, this we should mention this came from Next Big Future, and that Brian Wong has also written extensively about how China's big push to get uh, to get solar and nuclear going, so they don't have to burn coal anymore, so that they won't have all this soot. But meanwhile, it's like, okay, well, that's going to take a while to get there, so we're going to clean the air up in the in the meantime. I think that's <laughs> that's a great approach. I think that's a very yeah. smart approach, and good for them. It creates infrastructure projects for people to work on in the meantime, and it makes the air cleaner. And I'll tell you another benefit of this. In addition to all the probably lives that will be saved by people breathing cleaner air, and, and not just people not dying, but people not being sick, not, not being plagued with respiratory illnesses and just uh, you know, all the other horrible conditions that occur because air is so full of soot. In addition to all of that, this is great because this is a proof of concept for geoengineering, right? This is, right. Uh, granted, they're solving a problem they created, but you know what? If we were to implement a geoengineering solution for climate change, for carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, that's also a situation that we created, right? So obviously that's a bigger scale thing, and there's all kinds of issues around how exactly we would do it. But you know what? If China can do this, if they can clean up their air with these, then the idea that humanity can clean up its air it does i don't know it just doesn't sound as outlandish anymore does it well I, I, we should also mention numbers here phil um the the uh these these towers are are said to be able to cl uh clean a pretty big area right yeah well um 10 10 square kilometers yeah and is that the big tower, or is that uh, is that what we're seeing? With oh, I'm tower? sorry. Excuse me. That's the uh, that's the small one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not actually sure how how big of an area does the big one cover. I'm looking yeah, at the. Uh, uh, you're right. I'm looking at the, what the small one does. Yeah, and so I think that uh, what they were looking for with the uh, with the big one is something more like, uh, you know, 25 miles kind of thing. It's uh, it, you know, a, a uh, it would clean up a huge area. And, uh, that, you know, that's, and that, you know, if, and, it, and what we're talking about is removing about 15% of uh, air pollution for right. whatever area it covers. So it's a, uh, it's a huge area, reduces about 15%. And, and I, would, I would think, Phil, that a 15% reduction would probably serve to give you about a 60% reduction in health problems. I mean, it's it just would take a little bit of a percentage reduction in the air quality. I mean, in air, you know, in in uh, improvement. It's one of those Pareto things where eighty percent of the impact yeah. comes from twenty percent of the stuff. Yeah, that's I, right. No so doubt. you you reduce this by fifteen percent, and all of a sudden, 
most people are are doing a whole lot better, and uh, that's I think that's great. That's a, a that's an encouraging story. It's just a cool story all the way around. It's it's cool because 150 story tall towers are cool. It's cool because people are going to be healthier. It's and it's cool because you're cleaning up the air and you're proving that we can clean up the air. Uh, just what there's so so <laughs> is there anything not to like your, in this story? Right? <laughs> while you're living your extended life, because you know the rats showed us the way. Uh, you're not right. coughing constantly uh, from the air pollution. So I'm trying to find the thread. I'm, I'm trying to help the audience out here. I'm sorry, Billy. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it, let them let them work it out because I think this okay. next one, actually this next one really probably provides it, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Our old buddy Elon Musk, and this, by the way, I almost made this whole show just this. But then I thought, ah, we'll just we'll, we'll put these other stories in and just have some fun talking about various things. Here we go. Elon Musk uh, hasn't gotten enough press lately, so he's tweeted something quite stimulating here. He says, the singularity for this level of simulation is coming soon. And uh, in addition to that, he added, I wonder what the levels above us look like. Good chances they're less interesting and deeper levels are better. So far, even our primitive sims are often more entertaining than reality itself. So this is just one tweet from Elon Musk that is just packed with great stuff. Okay, thank you, Elon. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love how this man's mind works. You know, yeah, I mean, me too. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, Elon, too. If, you, if you're hearing this, uh, you know, you want to come hang out with us, you're welcome to anytime 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 yeah he can he can guest host with us anytime he wants to We'd love that's to right the door is wide open i mean he wouldn't be a guest because he's yeah he's right up there i mean he you know he'd be providing the uh he could take over okay he could be the main host and we could just co-host with him <laughs> he could interview us that's right that's right we don't and we don't offer that to, to most people but let's let's talk about this the singularity for this level of the simulation so Okay, that assumes that we're in a simulation. It assumes that that the singularity will, is is about to occur. And when you say for this level of the simulation, I just love that because it implies that perhaps in the more fundamental level of the simulation that we come from, they've already had their singularity. And you know what it also implies? That there might be many more layers below that, and they've all had singularities too, right? I mean, it's just uh, just in, <laughs> packed in that one statement is this whole cosmology, right? It's just, I don't know, it's just fantastic. Uh, um, and he, he talks about levels above. I think of them as levels below, but okay, however you want to look at it. The, the prior levels of reality. I wonder what they look like. And then he comes up with this uh, most provocative of statements. Good chance they're less interesting and deeper levels are better. So far, even our primitive sims are often more entertaining than reality itself. So that's an interesting idea. If we're a simulation... Well, he, he, he is making doing his part, Bill, to make this reality pretty interesting. I mean, he is sending yeah. a car to a Martian orbit, right? So yes. <laughs> his car. He, he's it's sending true. his car. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't that sound like kind of a Tony Stark thing to do? I mean, I, I'm sending my roadster into into a Martian orbit. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, absolutely. I think there's something to that. Seems to me that if we are a simulation, we are probably more interesting in some ways than the real world, quote unquote, to the folks who created the simulation. Because why else would you create it? Right. If not for entertainment or to learn something, there's something to be gleaned from this particular simulation existing. 
And whenever we build a simulated world, he's talking about our primitive sims are often more entertaining than reality itself. We do it specifically because they're more entertaining than reality itself, right? That's, that's why we build them. We make them different from the world in an engaging way. I mean, I think he's talking primarily about games there. And they're fun, right? The, the rules inside a game are different from the rules inside the real world. And that makes for, that makes for an entertaining experience. So it almost kind of figures that each successive level of reality that follows is going to be more interesting and more high concept than the one before. I don't know. I just never thought about it before. I feel like he says this really profound kind of philosophical thing, and it just it, it's a glimpse into the mind of Elon Musk, isn't it? It's a it's a little uh, a little offhand remark that makes us rethink something we've been we've been thinking about since. Well, since we started this, Phil, I mean, we've been thinking about simulated realities uh, from the very beginning, and uh, at least 10 years, and <laughs> he, he gives us a fresh perspective. That's interesting. Absolutely. It never occurred to me that our world is more interesting than the world of the designers of the sim, and yeah. arguably that is the case. It could, it could very well be true. It's never occurred to me that if we make a simulated world, it, it'll be more interesting than our world. That, that worlds, the, the more artificial the world, the more interesting it is, is just a, a really fascinating concept. It is worthy of its own show, but I, I, I wouldn't even know what to say about it for, for half an hour. I just kind of, I keep coming back to it and go, whoa, that's cool. That's just a really fascinating idea. I also, I, I like that, you know, as far as Elon's concerned, it's not even an arguable point that the singularity is coming soon. He yeah, takes it. Yeah. He takes it for granted. I think he wants to get to Mars first, right? He'd like to get to Mars before yeah, the singularity he, first. He sees it as the adjacent possible, and if he doesn't do it, someone else will do it, and uh, and he'll be sitting back going, "Why? Well, why did not do that?" Right? So right. He wants to. Right. He wants to have that more interesting and richer experience of being the one. Right. So. That's uh, what he's about. That's interesting. By the way, we need to be watching here soon for the uh, the launch of the Falcon Heavy. Towards the end of this month, I believe, Phil, is when they're they're launching. That'll be interesting to see. This is the first time they've launched the Falcon Heavy, and this is the launch that uh, he's going to send his car into a Martian orbit with. Now, it's, in, it's doing his part to make this level of reality as interesting as possible. As interesting he's as possible. Sending one of and his electric of cars that, uh, into the orbit of Mars. Yeah, it, 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 a lot of people think that that means his car is going to be orbiting around Mars. No, his car is going to be in the same orbital as Mars, going around oh, the sun. Orbiting the sun. Yes, it'll be orbiting the sun in the in a similar orbit as Mars. That's uh, that's what he's doing with his car. Very cool. So basically, uh, but, he's creating I mean, what an he, asteroid. What he's demonstrating is that he can put significant payload at, out at that level. Uh, yeah, and that's. And that is what he's demonstrating in a very fun way with uh, sending his car. That's going to be playing a Space Odyssey on the uh, on the radio the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> At any rate, that's that pretty, is awesome. that's some pretty geeky stuff uh, here. Uh, I was going to say uh, we. It's not like we start geek out; we just continue geeking out here. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. As as we slide into the official, the formal geek out portion of the program. Well, I've got this link. You should just all follow it. Furion Exobionics, shared by Jab. If you don't think that we're moving into a cool future, just check out these machines, okay? Uh, you know, we see these Boston Dynamics robots, and those are cool, but I don't know of anything much cooler than these Exo machines that these folks are creating. And I actually posted this on Facebook with the message, I need one of these. 
I, I really feel like I need to get one of these things. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of describe it for our audience, Bill. This is uh, what, we, what are we talking about here? It's something akin to what was in Aliens Two, right? I mean, this is an exoskeleton that. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. It's a quadruped, so it's a little different from the sort of uh, forklift design that that they use in Aliens Two. And it's got these two arms out in front that look like tusks. And I love what when Jab sent me this. He said, it's time we talked about the elephant in the room. And that's what it looks like, okay? It, <laughs> it looks like some kind of weird mechanical elephant, but it's one that you get to get in and drive, and it's just this powerful-looking machine that has these big arms out in front. And it just, I don't know, it just looks like it would be a real kick to, to drive this thing. And I, I see all kinds of recreational and sports applications for for this kind of machinery I, I, as I think, he moves this machine moves right i mean that's 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 how you control this thing you, that's right that's right you're, he, you're, he takes a step and this and this and this monster takes a step this is this is really it, cool. it becomes your body so essentially your body yeah. becomes this big elephant exoskeleton thing it's just it's very cool so check out the video I, we're not doing it justice you, you got to see it it's a it's a visceral experience for sure yeah i mean and, again uh if you if if, uh, if you don't check out the video just just know that uh we are pretty getting pretty close to the exoskeleton uh that ripley uses in aliens too all right that's aliens with a aliens so yeah it's, yeah it's it's really cool and uh, i i i guess the uh, they present it as a new as a new sport like they're going to race these things or race uh, them or fight them or i don't, I don't know what they're going to do but uh, there's there's cool. all kinds of cool possibilities that's for sure they just show one in a, an arena with a number on it at the end it's like so you you create the sport in your own imagination um whatever it is it'll be cool because those things are cool so right Anyway, there it is, Exobionics. Now I've got some important TV to talk about here. Stephen, are you <laughs> caught up on the new season of The X-Files? Have you checked out Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams? Either. I have checked out Philip K. Dick's, uh, Dick's Electric Dreams. As the father of young children, I have a difficult time finding a, a time and place to watch it because it's sure not family-friendly. Well, no, no, it's not um, a show for kids. It, it, no. I mean, well, neither is the X Files. I mean, I wouldn't let my kids watch that either. I mean, you know. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, this this uh, uh, Philip K. Dick show is very much no. Uh, it's adult uh, fare for sure. Yes, it's it is. very, very much adult fare. But it, if you like Philip K. Dick and the movies that that have have come out of that, and there's like what <laughs> something like thirteen, fourteen movies. I think we counted it up at one time, Phil. How many movies? Hollywood has produced from his it's a lot idea. for sure yeah it's a lot it's sort of it's sort of dipping into that as if that is that is one universe right because you you see multi-breasted aliens and things like that and that's that's total recall of course and you and, and yeah. you see all all kinds of I mean they're they're dipping into all different areas of that of that world of the mostly Blade Runner but it's very interesting and uh, yeah I, I found it I found it cool I just Need uh, need to find a uh, adult time and place to watch it so that uh, well, it's on Amazon. You yeah. can watch it on your laptop. You know, you just yeah, I guess I could. It's just yeah. uh, that, that, that's a bit of an issue in my house. But uh, and, and yours, kids, well. look away. I'm going to watch some TV for a while. You really can't. Yeah, do I'm going to watch some TV know. that you don't need to see. Um, yeah. What about X Files? I've uh, of course I watched the the the, uh, the reboot season. Uh, uh, well, know, this is this the, is the follow up. It's, it's, it's you yeah. know they're back on now. This is uh, two years later, and they've picked it back up again. And, well, here's uh, the, the reason I talk about these two together is I think the contrast 
is is really interesting. And you've got the two creative geniuses here, Philip K. Dick and Chris Carter. Not that they're similar in, in very many ways, but but to me, okay, well, I, I won't spoil it. I will just say that there's a big reveal in episode one of the new season that builds on some of the stuff that happened in that reboot season two years ago. And a lot of people are not happy with it at all. Okay. We talked last time about how Chris Carter kind of reboots the whole, <laughs> the whole myth arc whenever he wants to, or, you know, he retcons. It's like, it's like reading a comic in the, well, today, right? They just, <laughs> oh, did I, did I say the world would end in 2012? I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just he does that endlessly, and yeah. I think maybe it's getting a little tired. Okay, the first I've only watched actually the first two episodes. I haven't gotten around. I've got one or two more in the DVR loaded, and I just haven't gotten around to watching them yet. The the second one was definitely better than the first one because it was more of an MOW, and yeah. I almost feel like the monster of the monster week of the week for, for those who aren't. Yeah. Uh, uh, X Files fans, I, I feel like the show just needs to be those now. That they need to the 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 myth the myth arc is actually killing the show. That if it exists at all, it exists for those one-off stories, and that's what I love about Electric Dreams. They've literally every one of them. If you watch those episodes, it ends with based on the short story by Philip K. Dick. They have literally taken his stories, short stories, short fiction, and turned them into uh, one-off. It's a, it's an anthology series, one-off dramas. And what's great about that is anything then can happen. You're not tied to what happened in season one or you know what's going to happen next season or anything like that. You can tell a complete story. So they, they, could one, fast forward, uh, they could fast forward into the future 100 years and with totally different people, and, and it would not feel out of place on that show, would it? That, that's right. And you get, you, you get a complete narrative arc that's done. Right? You see the end of it, and it's like maybe later he wrote a story that picked up on some of these themes – but it doesn't matter. This is a this is a complete piece of piece of storytelling. And I think, you know, we live in this age of everything is marketed to us as a franchise and there's got to be a sequel and there's got to be a part 3 and then there's going to be 20 more movies in the series and you never get a complete story. And and with Philip K Dick, he had these wonderful ideas, these wonderful premises and you get the whole story right there in the show. So well, I, and, I love and that Philip about Philip K Dick it. was he was comfortable in the ambu- in, in leaving a story at the end ambiguous. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Very um, comfortable in that, and so, and and you know, that's the end of the story. You don't get to know whether the guy on Mars is actually on Mars or if he's been lobotomized back on Earth in a chair, right? I mean, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's and uh, and and that's and he was very comfortable writing stories like that. I think in part because he was he was uh the, you know that's that's he he didn't know in in his own mind what was real and what was not and uh, yeah well so his, in fact to, to that end that. without without spoiling it i would say that first episode could in my to my mind could have been more ambiguous i would have been happy with it if it was more ambiguous but you know what i think they right. did is i think they followed what he wrote i think they're actually trying to to reflect his stories and in that case he gave it a definite ending so so did they and without saying anything else and i won't say well actually i do want to say something else i want to say that when I saw that one, I thought, well, this is too on the nose. It's like they understand him, but only at a superficial level, and this series isn't going to be that great. And then I saw the second one, and I was like, well, that's actually not bad. And now I've watched the third episode, the one with uh, Brian Cranston in it, who, by the way, is the executive producer of the series. 
and I, now I'm hooked. I'm just like, oh, this is this is good. This is like it's like reading a science fiction magazine from the 50s, only updated, and I'm enjoying it very much. But but the other thing I want to say about these two together, in addition to the difference between having a ponderous myth arc and being able to watch individual discrete pieces, is both of these shows the way they're produced, the way they look, the way they're telling their stories, owe a lot to Black Mirror. So if you haven't had a chance to watch Black Mirror on Netflix, check it out because it it has kind of set the stage for science fiction TV as we're experiencing it now. The the hard-to-get-with stuff like The X-Files and the really interesting creative new stuff like Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Anyway, uh, I can't really recommend the new season of The X-Files. I'll watch a couple more episodes and check back in, but... uh, Yes, for those who are okay with adult material, <laughs> I strongly yeah. recommend Electric Dreams. I think it's uh, so think Monster of the Week episode that you did enjoy uh, with X Files. Was that was that the second episode of the new se- season? Or? It was, and and it's a Monster of the Week that was tied into uh, that was tied into the Myth Arc, which is a kind of an interesting thing they had going oh, too. But they were they were trying to do both a little bit there. That's cool. yeah, but it was fun. I mean, you know, there was a lot of banter between the two, a lot of good action scenes. It was just you know, it felt like a really fun. X-Files. It felt, felt like old classic X-Files. That's good. That's yeah, good. the reason you watch it, you know, you, you like it when yeah. Mulder makes some quip, right? And then Scully comes back with some. I mean, that's what that's what really made the show work. And I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I've, I'll get around to watching a couple more, and I'll I'll report back. Right now, I'm un, un, very uneasy with the X-Files. So, yeah. Have you Have you watched any of them? Um, and not not the uh, latest season. Not the current season. Uh, yeah. I, I, have, uh, I, I need to check the DVR. I'm sure uh, we have it recorded. I'm sure, and I'm, I need to get caught up on that. Hey, uh, have you seen the movie Baby Driver yet? Have <laughs> I have not. No. Okay. Who's in that? Oh gosh, new new faces, new faces. The director is actually the director of uh, some of those comedies I love, like Hot Fuzz and uh, what was that zombie movie uh, that was uh, from over there? And, and so. Shaun no, of the Dead? Uh, yes, yeah, Shaun no. of the Dead. Oh, okay. uh, that director is, so that's what he's known for, you know, sort of broad comedy like that. And this is not a comedy. It's a, well, I mean, there's there's comedic elements. There's times I kind of, you know, I kind of laughed and, and, and was enjoying it. But you, you laugh and enjoy it because it's it's stylish. It's, it's film noir is what it is. Right, and, right. And so, you know, you got this got this baby-faced kid who's a genius behind the wheel. Of, of a of a car and so he's a getaway driver it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and uh you know it, I, I don't want to take too much away you just have you just have to see it develop in front of your eyes and uh highly recommended it was it was well received when it hit the theaters uh last year and just i just never got around to watching it and and my son matthew had really wanted to see it and yeah yeah i kind of wanted to see it too and and so we we finally got around to watching it last night and had a good time with it so i i i highly recommend baby driver all good right we're gonna check out baby driver and yeah. uh, that that's kind of out of uh <clears throat> the the norm for the kinds of things we yeah talk yeah about it's, geek it's out not much that. of a it's not much of a geek show is it that's uh uh but uh but, but I think okay. geeks would love it. That's what so, being a geek uh, is yeah, all about, I, is you can bring new material in, by God. That's right. That's right. Our, 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 geeks, our, our, our geek audience will enjoy it. So, uh, it doesn't I, all have to have spaceships and robots. It can, that's right. it can just that's be a right. good movie. Outstanding. All right. Well, Stephen, it's been a great week. We've covered a lot of ground. And you know what? We're going to come back next week and do it all again. We uh, look forward to having you with us for three brand new shows next week. And until next time, live to see it. 